0: Welcome to the Elmer EMC Podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So, here's this week's teaching. Well, good afternoon, Elmer Church family. Uh, we're continuing our series again uh, today uh, in which I'm using... Israel's exile as the metaphor for wrapping our minds uh, around what's been happening to us with this pandemic and all that has uh, come out of that. the last several weeks, we've, we've looked at how Daniel and his associates, who I like to uh, call by their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how those individuals from the get-go, from their time in Babylon, cultivated kingdom credibility and favor uh, that they were able to then leverage to have influence and effectiveness with the king and those uh, around him. And, and so they had this favor and credibility, uh, although they were also willing to put their, their lives on the line in non-compliance when required to effectively deny their God as they were commanded to before Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue and um, and how God overturned that situation for good. And, and then we, we looked at the way last week that uh, Daniel, in this case, spoke truth, prophetic truth, to the power that was namely Nebuchadnezzar to try and stop the insanity of a king full of boastful pride and arrogance and whose justice was not equally distributed for the benefit of the oppressed under his authority. And for their faithfulness, courage, and wisdom, these individuals, these men, rose to unimaginable power in the land of their exile. These guys were leaders, head and shoulders above the crowd, and their capacity and perhaps no doubt their ethnicity provoked, unfortunately, jealousy and conspiracy against them. You see, good leaders become expendable in the eyes of some when their leadership stands in the way of those who are corrupt and whose primary agenda is their own advancement and their own hold on power whence they acquire it. In our day, experts of various sorts, and particularly medical and scientific experts, have become suspect in the minds of many because of their very expertise and good guidance. It's it's as if they have a target on their backs, or perhaps like this poor fellow, on their fronts, as the one moose says to the other, bummer of a birthmark, Hal, you're a leader, you have a target. So if if you ever feel that, you know what, I, f- I believe that God is calling me to lead in some capacity, just, just be aware. There is a part of it which may not be so much to your liking. And yes, if you're a leader, uh, you are going to get Push back, and in fact, the the premier infectious disease expert in the U.S. and maybe the world, Anthony Fauci, has come under fire. And it annoys me that the, the, he has come under fire in conservative circles for his immovable stance on the seriousness of COVID and the means by which it must be overcome, the things that he has publicly said about premature reopening of the economy in general and schools now in particular have got him into uh, hot water with some such as uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He was in a a, uh, Senate hearing being grilled and maligned, in fact, by individuals such as Rand Paul in these hearings. I mean, Rand Paul said to him, you don't know everything, and you're not always right. And of course, that's correct. Fauci would not deny that, but, but it's the blatant disregard of him by people like this that has been difficult to watch. I mean, Rand Paul is, is not an infectious disease expert, although he is a doctor. He's an eye doctor. Stick to your specialty, uh, Dr. Paul. But, but he, of all people, as a doctor with a background in science, ought to know better. You've got to wonder what drives such vitriol towards this non political public servant who happens to be a recognized leader. And now the president of Brazil has fired his health minister as well as an environmental expert who shed light on the deforestation of the Amazon Basin, particularly at at a time such as this. The Amazon Basin uh, with the rainforest is basically the Earth's lungs. And you see, disagree with an autocrat such as President Bolsonaro. And, And you can be certain you won't be in the administration for long, and in some administrations you may be found Um, in a dumpster, unfortunately. Good leaders and experts find themselves all too often sidelined for doing their jobs and for telling the truth as they know it. And the truth is, as this quote says, leaders must be willing to speak the truth, even if it may cost them everything. And not only speak the truth, but live the truth. And indeed, it costs them much in many cases, or maybe even everything, like civil rights icon John Lewis, who just passed away last week. He would often speak of the need, Lewis did, to get into some good trouble, which he often did. Uh, He also said that when we pray, we move our feet and he did. Not not marching in, in an effort to violently uh, attack or overthrow those who were opposed, but m- rather to nonviolently um, confront injustice and evil and and just plain wrongheadedness where it works against them, against justice, against good. And 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 honestly, seriously, how long? Must we put up with those who undermine truth and true godly justice? I mean, God's people are called to love mercy, love chesed, and do justice, and walk humbly with our God. And it's sad when we see many who lead who haven't got a clue about what Micah wrote about so many years ago. And how long do we have to keep on listening to corrupt leaders who know next to nothing and whose real interest is self-interest and staying in power? As Martin Luther King once said in a speech, how long? Not long, although it seems that way. Or in Daniel's case, being corruptly accused of wrongdoing by those whose only interest is replacing him. Eliminating a person of such character as they sought to do completely makes them look like the dirtbags which they actually were. As Daniel found himself while serving God and somebody else's country in exile, Daniel found that it, 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 it became his reality to suffer. In exile, for being good and for doing good, and for not again bowing the knee when power was commanding something completely opposed to his God honoring values and convictions. Daniel suffered in Daniel 6, and uh, the question is did God notice? Did God care? Would God intervene, and if so, at what point? Maybe you find yourself in a situation such as Daniel found himself in, and no, you maybe haven't been thrown in a lion's den, but you're doing all the right things. You're doing uh, things honorably and with integrity, and whether it's your job or something else, and you're coming under fire, particularly and precisely because you are doing good and being good in the, in the, in the gospel sense of that word. And as, as we think about suffering in exile, I want to raise the question, why are good leaders so often seen to be expendable? Why are they expendable? And so we pick it up the story in Daniel 5. The writing was on the wall for the Babylonian uh, superpower, and that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. No spring chicken, but uh, he took over the reins of of empire, regime change has occurred, the writing on the wall proved to be true, and now for the transition from Babylonian to Medo-Persian rule. And the question is, will anything be retained? And the answer was yes, because uh, clearly some advanced info and intel must have brought Daniel to Darius's attention, because it says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps stationed throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, including, you gotta be kidding, including Daniel. And to these the satraps gave account, so the king may suffer no, no loss. Daniel finds himself again in a very responsible position in exile, serving God and somebody else's country. And it says, and, and, and this is exactly what you would expect, because Daniel has been consistent from the get-go. It says that soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to appoint him, over the whole kingdom. As always, Daniel's constant, consistent excellence and integrity caused him to rise to the top of Darius's fledgling administration. The intel that he had on Daniel would have told him that this was a man he could trust. This is a man who would tell him what he needed to hear, not just what he wanted to hear, and that he would be faithful no matter what. And Daniel rises to the top. But of course, this didn't make everyone happy. We read that the presidents, the other two, and the satraps tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom. But they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because Daniel was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. What was it about Daniel that these people couldn't stand? I mean, why would they seek to bring down a man of unimpeachable integrity and character and ability that they could trust, that he would do no wrong to them, and yet they're conspiring to bring Daniel down? What is it that they couldn't stand? about Daniel. Why are good good, and godly leaders expendable? I mean, their excellence generates jealousy. Their advancement provokes what I'm calling passive-aggressive revenge. No, they don't knock on Daniel's office door. Hey, can we have a chat? We have some concerns. We have some issues with you. Can we sit down and have a conversation and work out uh, our problems? Oh no, that would be um, that would be the right thing to do. And in this case, who wants to do the right thing when you can do the wrong thing? When you can undermine and manipulate the system against him? Have you ever been maligned or sidelined because of your excellent work ethic and the results that you've achieved? Some people can't stand you for it. I have known people who work in certain uh, endeavors. I'm not going to mention their names or the situations, but this very thing, as they excelled in their work uh, and were being um, given approval by the administration and the top leaders, there were those who couldn't stand it. They hated it, and they did everything they could to undermine that person telling lies about them and stirring up gossip and, uh, and malignant hatred towards them. And, uh, you know, it just makes no sense at all, does it? Of course, does sin in any form make any sense at all? No. And you might say, well, there's a way which seems right to a man, but hey, the ways thereof are the ways of death. Sin makes no sense at all, even if for a time... It may be pleasurable and it may get you short term what it is you may want, but then you will always be looking over your shoulder, checking your back, watching your back for someone else to stab you in the back. Now, these kind of people will seek every which way to bring you down to their level or below their level, ideally, below. And some of these people rise to unimaginable heights of power and influence. Sad when that happens. I mean, was it something Daniel said? Something he did? Or someone he knew? Was it his ethnicity, perhaps, that they couldn't stand? Was it the fact that as every, uh, every time you turn around in the book of Daniel, uh, those in authority are coming to the place where they recognize that Daniel's God is the God of gods. And Daniel can't be compromised, he can't be brought down. His buddies can be thrown in a fiery furnace and God gets them out. Something Daniel said, something he did, or someone he knew. Because they said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Interesting. Interesting. Why are good godly leaders expendable? Their excellence provokes jealousy and their advancement, uh, aggressive, passive-aggressive revenge, but it takes the form of corrupt exploitation of the very strength of their godly character. I mean, Daniel had character and consistency, no doubt in maintaining. We know that he maintained the disciplines of a godly life, and he held to a very different worldview and narrative about the world and creation and God that energized his ethics and his behavior, and they hated him for it. We're going to bring him down somehow around that very strength We're going to manipulate it and turn it into a weakness. And so the presidents and satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. And then they they said, All the presidents of the kingdom... Uh, Minus one, but we're not going to say that. Uh, The prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, we're all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. And you see, the conspiracy takes the form of exploiting weakness at the top, weakness in the key leader, which can now be bent to their intent to eliminate one better than they. And Darius, I mean, should he have seen uh, something of what they were up to? Uh, Too good to be true, eh? It's like they're saying, we all think so much of you, oh Darius, that, that you might... As well, be divine. You're the chosen one, (laughs) that's for sure. We want to invite uh, all the citizens of this great empire now to see you the way we see you. How about this, Darius? How about we all pray to no other god but to you? We'll try it out for 30 days and see how it goes. What do you think about that, your majesty? Or is it your Holiness, now, O King, establish the interdict and and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked once something was put in writing and declared to be a legal document in the Medo-Persian kingdom. It could not be overturned. How could he refuse? How could he refuse? Therefore, King Darius signed the document and interdict. Well, although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in the upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him just as he had done previously. See, in this case, again, compliance was not an option. Daniel would not and could not stop praying. Well, you know, what, what about this, Daniel? What about uh, you don't necessarily have to pray to Darius, but you could uh, either stop praying for 30 days or take it underground, do it in hiding. Why do it right out in the open where you'll be seen? I mean, open window and everything, just find somewhere else if you have to keep praying. But, but for Daniel, that was not an option, not something he could do to stop praying. No, pray always with all kinds of prayers and supplications, Tim, Paul writes to Timothy. And, and especially since, in Daniel's mind, prayer and the times in which he was praying was of the essence which we'll talk about later on. But to fail to pray at at any time and for any reason and to fail to do so out in the open would be contrary to the spirit of a Yahweh follower. Simply couldn't be done. And these guys were banking on the fact that a godly leader such as Daniel will always be true to a higher law in spite of the consequences. And they were right. They were right. They exploited the weakness in Darius, whose head was now puffed up the size of a watermelon. They attacked the very thing which was a strength of the character of this godly man, and they banked on the fact that he would not cease and desist. Whether or not a law of the Medo-Persians was committed to writing, they were completely right in that. Daniel knew the document had been signed, and yet he continued his practice in plain sight, in plain sight. Well, the conspirators came, and of course, they found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. They probably overheard him. How would they know he was seeking mercy I bet you they overheard him. They approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to, to anyone divine or human within 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? And the king answered, well, uh, yeah, I believe I did. The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Well, then you need to know this, O king. Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, he's not one of us, you know. He's not one of our people. And look, you've placed him in a position of authority. You've given all this, him all this influence, and now he turns and stabs you in the back? Are you kidding? He he pays no attention to you or the interdict that you have signed. But he is saying his prayers three times a day. Terrible thing to do. Terrible thing to do. And when the king heard the charge, (laughs) it all came clear to him what they were up to. He was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel. And until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Well, you would think he's the king, right? He could just say, that doesn't apply to Daniel. I'm not going to put him in any lion's den. But the conspirators came to the king and said, no, O king, it, it's a law of the Medes and Persian, that no uh, interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And, and you go, like, what, a powerless king? In this case, he had no power to overrule the Constitution. It seems that the Constitution of the Medes and Persians had a place of superiority over that of the executive branch, the king, the monarchy. He had no power to overrule the Constitution. doesn't seem to stop some people these days. However, that's another story, and a sad one at that. But then the king gave the command... And Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to Daniel, as he is being carted off to his fate, May your God, I mean, if your God is the God of gods, may your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, the conspirators, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Well, you would think as soon as he enters that den, it's dinner time for the lions. Well, the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fed, fled from his eyes. At least Darius had a conscience It bothered him. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. And then a break of day. The king got up and hurried to the den of lions, and when he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, I'm sure expecting to hear nothing but silence or lions snorting and, you know, uh, basically digesting what would have been for them a very good meal with all the uh, sounds and such that go with that, if you're a lion, But, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions and from the conspiracy that led to this sorry event? I wonder if Daniel paused a minute for effect. I'd have been tempted to, made him say it again, perhaps. But Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever You put me in a situation where my life was on the line. You didn't expect me to survive any more than a minute or two. But my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me because, and please hear this, Darius, I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. I have done no wrong, and I think you know it. Well, then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den, and Daniel was, and no harm was found on him, not even a scratch, because he had trusted in his God. And the king gave a command, and now the tables are turned, because those who had accused Daniel were now brought and thrown into the den of lions. They, and sadly, their children and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered and began to devour them. Very sad. But then King Darius wrote to all peoples and nations in every language. Uh, I wonder if Darius's favorite song from here on Uh, was, we won't be fooled again. Of course, that wouldn't be written for uh, 2,500 years or so, but there you go. But King Darius wrote to all peoples and nations of every language, may you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all of my royal dominion, people should tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Another... uh, occurrence of God's faithfulness that brought uh, foreign and pagan kings to acknowledge his supremacy. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Incredible story. Why are good godly leaders expendable? Well, their excellence and their advancement generate jealousy and provoke passive-aggressive revenge in the form of corrupt exploitation of the very strength of their character as, as they also exploit Weakness at the top, which creates an opening, which they can manipulate in order to eliminate one who is better than they, and they bank on the fact that the godly will not bend and indeed hold to a higher law, and in that they are right. But Daniel, God bless him, was not expendable to God. God vindicates, and he will vindicate his faithful followers, either in life or in death, God's truth, you see, will not forever be set aside, ignored, or willfully disobeyed. And, And Daniel was not expendable, and he continued to seek God in spite of the cost. He was true to a higher law, and may you and I be as well. And find, as Daniel did, that faithfulness will be vindicated. Truth and character will be vindicated either in life or in death, and certainly on that day when the thoughts and intents of every heart will be laid bare, that day is coming. But I have a, a question to ask you. As Daniel just would not cease praying, what do you think was so urgent? Why do you think Daniel continued to pray? And what was he praying as he faced Jerusalem? And to answer that you got to skip a couple of chapters right to Daniel 9, because there we read that in the first year of Darius, yeah, same Darius that threw him in the lion's den, by birth of Mede, who became king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. Let's see, Daniel went into exile 606, 605. It's now 538, 37. And he says, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord... See, Daniel didn't just pray. He read his scripture. He read the prophet and discovered that, according to Jeremiah's writing, uh, the word of the Lord must be fulfilled for the devastation of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. And then I turned to the Lord God to seek an answer by prayer and supplication, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes... I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying and you'll find the official transcript of his prayer in the rest of Daniel 9 to which will turn when I return from vacation. But let me ask you this, what are you praying for in this day in which we are living in the midst of a pandemic and all of the, the uh, aftershocks that have gone with that? What are you praying that Perhaps it's so urgent, it cannot be set aside in these troubled times. A number of years ago, I wrote a song, Lord, How Long, and, and the lyrics say, the, the, the horsemen of apocalyptic terror continue wreaking havoc on the earth, pestilence, we're knowing pestilence, and in some places, food shortage and lack of food security, pestilence and famine, warfare's horror, stark testimony that your word is truth. Lord, you said that all these things would happen. And so we just sit back and watch it all unfold. No. And yet we feel the urgency to pray. Oh, Lord, how long before your kingdom breaks through? How long can your unveiling be delayed? How long will it be before we see you reigning in righteousness and peace, and see your justice rolling like a mighty river and the knowledge of you flooding earth like like a mighty, mighty uh, deluge? How long before just vengeance is abated? How long before the promised bright day dawns? How long before your new earth is created and United Nations fall before your throne, rallying to you around and under the banner of your kingdom, O Prince of Peace. In this day and age, are you feeling the urgency to pray, Lord, how long? And do you feel that he hears the collective prayers of his people as we together cry out, Lord, how long? And in the meantime, to continue faithful and indeed perhaps suffering, you who have been called to positions of influence and leadership and 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 just simply following jesus like 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 the uh, moose in the picture at the beginning, you got a target on you. It's invisible, but it is seen to the principalities and powers with which our real warfare is happening. And may we find that as we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and as we are found faithful, we will see him working and moving in our day as, as they prayed in Acts, Lord, um, Give us the boldness to continue speaking your word with boldness and with effect. And may your signs and your wonders uh, attend and may many be brought to you. May everywhere we go, may the places that we step foot, may those places be shaken with the wonder and glory and power of your kingdom and your awe-inspiring love and grace and mercy. So may it be so, Lord, as we continue to serve you uh, in the ways that you've called us to and and even to lead. May you grant us faithfulness and perseverance. And when we are uh, maligned, may we not retaliate in kind, but look to you even as Daniel did and find that you will vindicate, and you will bring honor to your great name. So may it be so for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com. Or on Facebook, just search for Aylmer EMC.